This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Love my granddaughter's testimony. Isn't that awesome that hearing from God and, and giving? And we had um, two weeks ago, we had three or four people healed uh, during the service uh, on in giving, on tithing and giving offerings. How many of you like that? Amen. I thought this was really neat. And uh, Elder Zach had, you know, he had shared about a God had healed him after they took a step, obedience and obeying God. And, uh, and Pam Cabanez, lift your hand, Pam. She got healed and and she was, she, she uh, made the choice to, to tithe on uh, Social Security and uh, started doing that. When she made the decision to do that, all the pain left her body and she was healed. And so, well, Pastor, I don't believe you can buy your healing. I don't either. I just believe it's a heart connection to a good father. And there's, there's always going to be uh, choices for us. There's always going to be two trees in your garden. <laughs> There's always going to be that tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and we have a choice to make. And it's not God didn't give us a choice to punish us or, or just because he's angry with us or something. He, he sets us up for reward because that's the nature of a father, to reward. And if there is no choice, there is no reward. So the most powerful thing he gave us really is the power of free choice. So because of free choice, when I choose to eat from the tree of life and when I choose to obey him, I'm rewarded for it. Amen. That should get you excited. Three of us. He's a good, good father and he wants to reward you. Amen. So we eat. Of the tree of life, we do what God's calling us to do. And I love that Lauren, she felt the release when she gave the peace of God. And there's a joy in giving. There is a joy in receiving, I'll not lie. But I believe there's more joy in giving because the word says it's more blessed to give than receive. I'm so glad you're so excited. Well, we're going, we're going to end our, our series today on overflow, cultivating a generous spirit. And uh, not that there's not more to say, there's just hardly no end to it. But we're going to look at a couple things. And we've seen that God wants to bless us. He, he wants to prosper us in all areas. And we have to do things God's way. And we can't just uh, redefine what he's called us to do. We obey him. And we reap blessing, and we see his hand in our lives. So I'm going to look at just a couple things. I hardly ever, when I minister on this, I hardly ever get to the offering, uh, to, to giving. I, I, it seems like I get on the tithe, and uh, I explore it, and it takes so long that I just give a little bit uh, at the end on, on offering. So I'm going to touch offerings uh, some today. And then I'm going to just answer some questions. Some of you have asked questions and uh, just some frequent questions that are, uh, 
I hear, you know, through the years. We're going to look at those and, uh, pretty quickly. So in Luke chapter 12, in verse 13, it says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and, be, and beware of covetedness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he fought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, you know, some people take this, God's against people being rich, and that's not really what the, the message is here. We've seen that Abraham was very rich. God wants to bless us. He's not against you having wealth. He's against wealth having you. But here we see that this man, there's some positive things. Uh, he was a successful businessman. Uh, He's probably a very diligent, hard worker. He, he knew how to save, store things, but he had a problem. Jesus said he was a fool because he was not rich towards God. In other words, he was not mindful of God and God's work in the earth or what God was doing. He was not mindful of him. He was mindful on earthly temporary possessions and God said or Jesus said you're a fool think about that one how many fools are running around the earth today building up their wealth and they don't have a mind or they're not rich towards God we saw that we have two accounts we have account here in the earth and we have a heavenly account and what this man was doing, he was building up his earthly account and not mindful of the heavenly account. And when you are not mindful of that account, which lasts for all eternity, you're investing in your eternity, you're a fool. Now, I didn't say it. God said it. I'm not calling you a fool, fool. No, no excuse me. I'm just saying. <laughs> His problem was not that he was rich. He was not rich towards God. Those rich towards God have a heart to accumulate the world's riches, not just to enrich themselves, but to experience the joy of giving to build God's family. See, I, I don't want to accumulate earthly wealth just for myself I want to be able to bless others I want to be able to give 
I want to be able to um, build a church, pay for it. Wouldn't that be something? There's been those that have done that. Heard a testimony from a pastor that they uh, were believing for their building to be paid off. Needed $10 million. And a man he didn't know had this kind of money. He was part of his church. The Lord spoke to him and said, pay it off. He paid it off. How many know that even though his earthly account, $10 million went out of it, $10 million went into a heavenly account, which will pay dividends throughout all eternity. He was very wise in what he did. And God, of course, will bless here on this earth and in the life to come. There's nothing wrong with storing up for the future. But we need to be mindful. We need to ask God, what would you have me do? What do you want to do because you own it all? You might have a huge savings account. And you're not mindful. God, what do you want? What would you want me to do? And be prepared. Philippians 4 verse 15. Now you Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, uh, you sent aid once and again for my necessities, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to my account. I've thought about this before. Here's uh, this church sending money to Paul, and Paul goes, not that I was seeking the gift from you. I just want fruit to your account. Well, welcome, Paul. <laughs> it's kind of an odd thank you, isn't it? I mean, I wasn't seeking this, but y'all gave it anyway. I just want fruit to your account. But he had a revelation. He knew that that heavenly account is much more important. That's what Jesus was saying in that parable that account is more important than this account. Because that account, moth and decay cannot break through. Nothing can stop that account. But this thing down here can go up and down. Stock market can go up and down. Companies can come and go. And moth and rust and decay can come. But it can't touch that one. And that one brings honor and glory to God. And he will reward you throughout all eternity for the honor and the obedience that you gave his name in the earth. Wow. Wow. See, we need to be stirred up. Has there been abuses some finances? Absolutely. But don't throw out the bathwater. <laughs> Don't throw it all out because it's still truth. It's still the word. No, I don't believe a preacher needs 15 homes. You know, I, there's been abuses. And there's been people that uh, in any area have abused it. But this is the truth, that you have a heavenly account. And all of us, when we get there, we're going to say, I wish we'd put more in. <laughs> Amen. So 
it's really an odd account. You, you give some out here to the kingdom, and that one just keeps getting bigger. Jesus is saying your heavenly account is much more important than your earthly account. I want to challenge you to be rich towards God. If you're a tither, have you moved beyond that to start seeking God to be a generous giver and give above the tithe? Oh, Pastor, I'm just happy to be a tither. I'm happy you are too. And if you just got on board on this, we had many people just accept the challenge, our 90-day tithe challenge. The reason we can do that is because God's the one that blesses. He, he's the one that holds his word. So we know he bless. He will bless. And in 90 days after you take this challenge, you don't see a difference. You don't see the hand of God in your life. And I appreciate there's been... A few now have told me, I don't care what it looks like after 90 days. I'm going to give God my first fruits. I'm not going to touch what belongs to him. I'm going to give him honor all the days of my life if I don't see one dime back. Well, I appreciate that. That's a, a heart of humility. But God's going to bless you and reward you anyway. <laughs> but... If you're one of those, you take the challenge. In 90 days, you don't see anything. We're going to give you your money back. Because we know that God's faithful. But what about if you're already a tither? Let me tell you, the tithe is the key to the windows of heaven. The tithe is the key to heaven. The offering is the seed to multiplication. And the harvest and blessing. And there's, we talked about the blessings of a tither, and they're, they're awesome, and it even affects four generations down. Your obedience is affecting four generations. And the windows of heaven, you have vision, and you can see, and God can show you what your purpose and the plan is for your life. That's what a tither gets. And he protects your crops. But to the one who gives offerings, the word of God says it's like a farmer puts seed in the ground. And you plant a, a little and you get a, a, a crop from that. You plant much, you get a bigger crop. He's talking about offerings, giving, multiplication. And a lot of people never get past the tithe and get into the, the place of multiplication where God wants to bless and bless why can God trust you with that because you're a tither he's got your heart and you bless somebody who's not a tither that's like God I'm on once my boat comes in I'm going to bless you I'm going to start tithing I'm going to start giving and Jesus said if you're not faithful in the least you won't be faithful in the much you know what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to start tithing after I buy this boat. You know, we need a dock. We need some property. We need a cabin. We need a place to put the boat. You know, you've always wanted a horse, honey. Well, we're getting you a horse. And then the money's all gone. Oh, God, um, 
you know my heart. I meant to tithe. I meant to put you first. I, you know, the boat and the horse came first. I, I repent. And here you go again. Ooh, I'm preaching good this morning. Okay. God gives seed to the sower. You ever given, and I, I call the faith promise. And I don't, you know, I've seen so much, you know, raise your hand if you're going to give $10,000. I don't go, I don't like it. Now watch the Lord tell me to do it. No, I don't like it. But that's me. I don't care for that. But faith promise you ever made, said, Lord, I want to give. And you say a thousand or a couple thousand to that. I don't have it right now. But if you'll provide it, and he says he'll give seed to the sower. It's a dangerous prayer. So I make a commitment to this. You bring the money in, I'm giving it. The hard part is when God provides it. Then you got to give it. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and, you know, God will do, I, I tell you, you're, you're new in this. It seems like we've had so many testimonies. It's like you're tithing, boom, boom, boom. It's, a, it's like a, a new believer can do anything and God just instantly answers. You ever had that? You had the need and bang, you're new in this, bang, there's an answer, boom, and you're just out, you're like a cheerleader, oh, bop, bop, me and God, we got it going. <laughs> then the next thing comes along. Next day, hey, what's going on? <laughs> See, a, a tree just grew in my life. Knowledge of good and evil. Am I going to trust his nature and trust the promise? Or am I going to let go? Because now it's taken a week. It's taken a month. Am I going to keep trusting him? Am I going to keep continuing to walk with him even though it's been six months? That's the reason he says, remember what I did for you. But see, the enemy's trying to get me to doubt and get in stress and to let go of the promise. I've done it. God provided here, and a couple months later, here comes the battle of the mind. Well, I didn't see the answer the next day. It's been a week. God, it's been two months. What's going on here? Maybe I need to repent. And you repent of everything that you can think. You're making up stuff. Y'all laughing. Y'all never made I mean, I'm trying everything before. I'll make it up. Me, I've done it. And I have to settle my mind, said, no, the promise of God, I'm back on track. And God provides. It's part of growing up. Wow. Luke chapter 16, verse 8. And this you can go back and read. It's about the unjust steward. And uh, just for fresher memory, he had been unjust in his stewardship. His master uh, called him in to give an account. 
and he, he fired him. That's what happened. And this unjust uh, steward said, what can I do? I can't, I can't do this. I don't have really any skills. What am I going to do? And he gets this idea. I'm going to make friends or I'm going to influence the creditors that my master, they owe my master money. I'm going to contact them and say, look, what do you owe? Just slash it. Just slash it in half or, you know, change it. And he, it, the word says that they may receive me into their house. He was looking for an entryway for provision, a, a place to live. <laughs> and, and that's the text for this. And, and Jesus says in verse 8, So the master commended the unjust steward. He's to bother me. Commended the unjust steward because he dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And then Jesus says, And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. We've studied that, what they is. That's, that, that's the wealth of this world. That's, that's money. That when you fail, and the word fail there actually means when you die. When you die, they may receive you into an everlasting home i've told you i've seen dreams of welcoming committee and in heaven people dying and coming and everybody there family friends to welcome them that's what this about welcomed into eternal home everlasting home he who is faithful and was least is faithful also and much he who is unjust and was least is unjust also and much therefore if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon who will commit to you the true riches. And part of that true riches is people. So Jesus is instructing and saying that the sons and daughters of light, you can be wise. I'm giving you wisdom right now that you can. And the unjust steward used money to his advantage. And he was commended for understanding how to use money for his best interest. And even though he did it an unrighteous way. And Jesus is saying, look, you can use money in a righteous way for your advantage. You can use money to build the family of God. You can have a welcoming committee that's big in heaven. And you can receive the honor and blessing of reward from God Almighty for all eternity. Jesus is saying we need to be wise. He's telling us how to do it. Make friends. Influence people. Give into the gospel. And you'll never regret it. God will bless. In 2 Corinthians 12 verse 13 it says, The only thing I didn't do for you, as Paul speaking, which I do everywhere else in all the other churches was to become a burden to you. I didn't ask you to give me food to eat, place to stay. Please forgive me for this wrong. Paul came to a place, he, he understood. He even later on when you stay it out, he said, when I come to you, I'm concerned I'm going to find sin and find all these things in the church, in your lives. And he actually kind of uh, connects it 
to this. I have wronged you by not asking you to give into the gospel. And see, the enemy wants to play on us and do mind games on us that we think, well, everyone is crooked or, or whatever. But there is the truth. There is the truth of God's word. Listen to it from the Message Bible. It says, did you get less of me or of God than any of the other churches? The only thing you got less of was less responsibility for my upkeep. Well, I'm sorry. Forgive me for depriving you. <laughs> Do you see the other side of this thing? Deprived because you did not have opportunity. He didn't teach them to give. Give their tithe, give their offering. He didn't teach them. He said, forgive me, I've deprived you. I was wrong. A similar thing happened to me when I first started pastoring. Um, we had several times I didn't take up offering. Didn't even think about it. And, um, and I had almost an aversion to it because I saw some things I didn't like. And, um, and one day the, the Lord spoke to me and said, you are robbing me. So what do you mean? I said, I'm a tither. I know that verse. <laughs> he said, no, you're not allowing the people to give. And you're robbing me of the blessing of rewarding them. It's changed right now. <laughs> We're going to do this differently. First Timothy 6, verse 18. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, should give happily to those in need, always ready to share with others, whoever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. That's 1 Timothy 6.18. It's in your notes from the Living Bible. So we get satisfaction from obeying God, but we get rewards. And God blesses us. So I wanted to look just quickly at some questions. And uh, this is one here a good bit. Should I wait to start tithing until I get all my debts paid? Well, it's kind of like, uh, should we have children when all the stars are aligned? <laughs> They're not going to align on this earth for you, okay? Let me help you there. <laughs> so go ahead, have that baby. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, debt, you know, the Word talks about the spirit of debt. I really believe we need God's hand and blessing to get out of debt and every Christian should be seeking a course to get to get out of debt so I believe we honor and we worship God he blesses uh, the the 90 percent there's a lot of good stuff out there Dave Ramsey's book uh, is a got great material uh, I like one thing he says you don't see the inside of a restaurant by getting out of debt unless you work there now he's Pretty tough on it, and uh, but 
He said 80% cheaper to eat at home than eating out. Vacation is not a necessity. Cable TV is not a necessity, and neither is Starbucks. Boy, he's really treading dangerous ground there. He also said that Christmas and birthdays, it's not a necessity that you have to spend a lot of money on it. Amen. Wow. Paul's talked about those that oppose themselves. Their own wise, out of control, their spending, it's not the devil, it's not God, it's themselves. So we need to be wise, and, and there's help available out there. And we all, you know, face different circumstances. There is no condemnation. We're all in journey together, amen? None of us are, are perfect. We're all in process. Second, should... Uh, the hus- my husband always handled the finances. Should the husband always final- handle the finances? And my answer is yes, if he's better. If he's, if he's not, I hope she is, because the one who is best should be handling the finances. There's no- nothing in the Word that says he has to handle them and I know many homes that would just be chaos. It, it needs to be the one who is best. Now, if you both aren't any good, you need help. And we can get you help. Somebody needs to help you because somebody needs to be good at it. Amen? And uh, Ellen used to do, do the books and everything. And uh, I started asking uh, probing questions. Where did the money go? What do you mean we're out of money? I just got paid. Well, well, we had to get groceries, had to get this, and and then she started, you know, I don't like these questions. I don't like asking them. Where you been going spending our money? No. Well, you know what happened if you're married for a while. Here. The box comes and everything. I said, well, I was thinking about that. I, I know I have not uh, been nice about this. I need to see where it's going. So I, I took it on, and uh, she's been relieved of that. And my eyes were open. <laughs> you know things cost money? A lot of money. <laughs> Next, my wife and I have separate bank accounts. This is wrong. And this is uh, increasingly common, especially if people been, uh, have divorced, remarried, whatever. I, I believe that is unwise, that you need to have this, the same account. You're in this together. And uh, so I don't believe in the, having separate accounts. Uh, you have a danger then, my money, your money, and uh, it should be our money. Next, uh, do I need to make up for lost tithe? No. And uh, under the law, you had to pay 20% interest, but we're under grace. No. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Just start fresh and, and, and go there. Now, don't every two or three months pray that. <laughs> okay. 
Why doesn't the New Testament say more about tithing? And, boy, I, I think I've shown you quite a bit. Uh, Jesus endorsed the tithe, Matthew 23, 23, Hebrews 7, 8. If tithing was passed away, Jesus didn't get the memo because it says he receives it. It says, Jesus, high priest after order of Melchizedek. We see that in Hebrews. And we see that uh, tithing was before the law, during the law, and after the law. And we give under grace according to uh, Abraham. Uh, he's the father of our faith. And he gave not because of law or command. He gave because he was blessed by God. He recognized the blessing of God and he gave to him. So we give and, and tithe because of God's grace. Um, one thing that's interesting, the, the things that came through the cross that changed or explained in the New Testament, uh, like sacrifices once for all, we don't do animal sacrifices, explained in, in Hebrews, you know, thoroughly, the priesthood changed, we're all kings and priests now, that's changed, it's explained. Have you noticed there's very little on praise and worship in the New Testament? You, you you go back and you, you see the instruments and you say those things in the, in the uh, Old Covenant because it's, it's playing there. And so we go back there. And so that's the reason we can have drums. We can have guitars. We can have uh, all these things going because we just grab it. Tabernacle and David, we can go back and we see these things even though uh, praise is more than just in instruments. There's worship and praise throughout the whole Bible. Amen. Isn't that right, Lauren? Okay. <laughs> so, these things, you, you have to understand, offerings changed, and, and that's explained. New Testament tithings explained because you go back to grace and explain after the order of Melchizedek. So, uh, it's there. And one thing uh, that really gets me when I see ministers on TV and they're saying they're going back to the feast, and actually, and you go to the Old Testament law, there's 15 different types of first fruits offerings. And they're saying you got to give it at the full moon, this feast day, and all this. If you send in your money on the feast day, the full moon, you get blessed. Well, all that's not even pertaining to us today. It's very simple. You give 10% of your increase to God, your tithe, and then you give offering. You don't do it um, animals or on full moon and this. You can give offering anytime you want to, any day, in any type of weather. It can be cold. It can be hot. Any location that you're in, you can give an offering. Amen? An offering is, you know, I, I don't even know if I should say that. I don't have to always be prompted by God to give an offering. I can prompt myself. It's another message. Anyway. I give to my wife. I don't, you know, I get the most joy is giving her something when it's not holiday or anything. Well, you gave to me uh, at Christmas because you had to. Well, the other day, I didn't have to. Okay. I enjoy it a whole lot more than y'all. Okay. Anyway. 
My husband doesn't want me to tithe. What should I do? And the, and the Bible says to submit to each other in the love of God. And I, I think you, you talk to him and say, look, and I give some or, you know, maybe part of your income or, or whatever. You need to be uh, in agreement. And I believe God knows your heart and you do what you can. And what I have to say to you, husband, is listen to your wife. She's trying to help you. Do I bring all my tithe to the church or can I give some of it to missions? I believe the storehouse is the New Testament church. I believe the house of God. Uh, you see this. Um, well, actually, uh, two particular verses talked about. I believe that you bring the tithe to, to the church. You give missions. Uh, you give to prophets, evangelists, uh, teachers. Uh, you give them offerings. Well, Pastor, I feel sorry for them. Don't feel sorry for them. They, they receive from every place they go. The ones that we give to and we give monthly, we're, we're supporting ministries. I happen to know they do very well. God takes care and he, he blesses. And you, you give offerings to other ministries. And God will take care of them. Amen? Amen. You find in, in church history, and I, I've done some research on this in the past, but as church history shows each temple received tithes. They pay for their ministry and the ministry of that temple, historical writings. Uh, the contemporaries of the apostles, they followed this. Uh, there's even... Um, uh, disciple of the Apostle John, uh, and it was teaching tithing. It's very clear in church history that the church the, received the, the tithe. The tithe was always 10%, and I always went to God's house. Other writing clearly shows the tithe was viewed as the starting point for giving. Really, it was just the beginning. The tithe's the starting point, and we have you know less than 5% of the body of Christ who tithes. What's interesting, those that tithe give 95% of the offerings to the other five-fold ministry. Did you hear that? The 5% who tithe give 95% of the offerings to the other ministry. The evangelist, the teacher, the prophet, they give 95%, the five. I'm going to leave that one right there. You remember Dr. Leon talked about uh, Nehemiah restoring. He restored the tithe, and then he rebuilt the wall. Should I tithe on my tax return? Depends. If you tithe on the gross income, you'll need to. Next question, should I tithe on the gross <laughs> or the net? Well, uh, usually the gross. Uh, I think there's... Some exceptions, and that would be like a farmer makes a hundred thousand, but his profit is forty thousand. I think he tied on the forty thousand when actually came in his hand. I have a retirement fund that automatically comes out of my paycheck. Should I change this to the tithe first? I, I don't think you have to go through and change that. A lot of companies, you know, take out that retirement fund first. You just pay um, uh, 
on the tithe. That's if you are tithing on that. And you don't have to change it. God knows your heart. And you don't have to go through that, the hassle of that. This is one that uh, can a Christian file for bankruptcy. And um, actually, bankruptcy laws are actually uh, rooted in Bible principles. You find Leviticus chapter 25. Uh, it talks about the Jubilee, the seven-year release, and the, the year uh, 49th year, the, going into the 50th, the year of Jubilee release. Uh, these are all biblical uh, concepts that have been uh, adapted. And what it's for, it's not for someone to get out of their uh, legal responsibilities or their obligations. It's for when there's a, maybe a natural disaster, a flood or a circumstance. Maybe a, a woman, her husband leaves, abandons her, and she has five kids, and she can't pay the, pay the house note or whatever. She's going to lose everything. It's for cases like that that these things are there. So, uh, yes, there is provision. I believe there is places that can be done righteously, and God approves it. So I'll just throw that out there. Uh, do I tithe if someone buys me lunch? No. <laughs> and, and the reason I say that you can get legalistic and you're trying to figure up, you know, I wonder how much they spend on lunch, you know, and, uh, or somebody gives you a gift do I tithe on Christmas presents? I, I don't. And uh, now someone, what, where I do make the exception is someone gives me money, I tithe off of it. But I'm not going to ask them, say, I need the sales receipt. I need to know how much you spent on this gift for me. And then look at it and go, by the way, I think you should have spent a little more. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I, I think you can just get legalistic and get, you know, God's not after that. He's after our heart. And, and so, you know, don't go, don't go that place. I can't tithe. I'm really strapped. Uh, what do I do? And uh, I've always said in the past, you know, start where you're at and, and start moving. You know, uh, if you start at 5% or whatever. Only problem I've had with this, I've seen throughout the years, is a lot of times people never arrive at the tithe. It's because you have to have a plan. You have to take steps and do it on purpose. It's just not going to uh, automatically overtake you and run you down that I'm going to start tithing now. You have to plan and, and do that. So uh, me, I could not do it that way. I knew I had to jump in. That's just me. If I put my toes in the water and it's cold, no, I'm not going in there. <laughs> but if I jump in, so I had to just jump in. You seek the Lord, and we can talk, or you can talk with some of the elders and, and, and see and, you know, what you need to do. But the, the whole thing is to get to the place where you're giving God what is due Him, what belongs to Him, and you have the blessing of God on your life and I believe he'll take care of you and I do realize we're all in different places financially maybe you uh, have a lot of bills maybe a lot a lot's going on there and I, I still believe God honors and, and will take care of you amen so in, in closing if you have not made that decision for the money back guarantee to sign up and be a, a tither I want to encourage you to take that step 
It's the only place he said, test me in this. Put me to the test. That's the reason I think you can jump in, because I put him to the test. And he tested out A-OK. Because he's perfect. He always keeps his word. He's a good God. And if you're already a tither, I want to encourage you to, and stir you to trust God for more. We should always have our faith out for something. Trust him for more. Say, so I'm going to start giving 11% or 12% or 13 14 15 whatever. Grow. I met a man this years ago, and I believe he, he was tithing, I think it was 40%. Went to his home. He was in the insurance business, and huge, beautiful home. And he's one of the biggest givers uh, I've, I've ever seen or ever met. He lived to give. And I want you to know God's word works. And he will bless you. And it can come in different ways, different shapes and forms. But the blessing of the Lord, you can't put a price on it. Amen? That's powerheads. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. Father, we want to honor you. We want to bless you. We want to do things your way. We want to trust you in a greater way. Father, I pray for all those making decisions to, to become a tither today. Lord, I, I pray courage over them, that they'll be courageous and, and step forward and, and, and make the decision to put you to the test. They'll make the decision to obey you and do what you have requested. And God, for all those that are already tithers and they've seen the hand of God and they know that you bless and they know that you provide, but Lord, there's more. I pray that you, you stir their hearts to be that generous giver. That there still needs to be met. There's still people to touch. There's still places to bless. There's still poor among us. There's still needs. And Lord, you've given us the way to increase. You made it so plain and so clear. And God, I thank you. Even though it looks like we may not have it to give. That you promised to give seed to the sower. So, Lord, we ask for seed, and we will be faithful, and we will do what you've called us to do. We thank you for it. No one looking around, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. The most important decision that you can make in this lifetime is what will you do with Jesus Christ? He loves you. He paid the price for you. He died for you. He took your sins, your shame, your guilt, your fears. He took it all because he's in love with you. Will you receive his love? Will you receive his provision to have in your sin debt totally eradicated? Will you receive the love of a father? that demonstrated his love by sending Jesus, his only begotten son, to die for you. Will you surrender 
it's time for you to surrender. Some of you have been on the fence and saying, I'm not ready to make this decision for the Lord. I'm not ready. This is a decision that you make. It's not about you being ready. You're not going to get ready. You're not going to be in a position where you're ready. You've got to surrender. You've got to surrender to life, to God, to His goodness and His blessing on your life. That's you. I want you to lift your hand. No one looking around. We'll pray together. You can receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life today. Maybe you prayed this before, but you know you're not right with God. And right now, your heart's beating and saying, the Lord is telling you, make that decision now. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. We're going to pray together. Say, I need Jesus today. I'm surrendering and I'm giving up my life and taking up the high life, life in Christ. Let's pray together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus who died for me. I believe in my heart that he went to the cross and he took my sin. He paid the price. And God, you raised him from the dead. I believe this in my heart. And I speak it with my mouth. And I declare that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live this Christian life. And I give you all the thanks and all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, let's stand up and worship the Lord. Your name is light that the shadows can't deny. Your name pastors and elders for allowing me to say so much during this series. I was sitting in the chair, my heart was racing, and I thought I was just supposed to write this and email it to everybody, but I really feel, and I almost never say this, I really feel like this is what God is saying to our congregation. Not to me, not to one of you or two of you, but to all of us. Frankly, some of us aren't tithing, many, most, and almost all of us aren't giving above the tithe because we're holding on to our lifestyles. That's the reason. It's your cell phone bill. It's saving too much for retirement. Someone like me can say that. It's buying too big of a house. It's having too many cars. Where I feel drilled in my heart this morning, I'm closing my eyes because I want you to know this isn't Zach Davis saying this. It's, it's the fact that I found out a statistic this week that rocked my world. If you make as a household $50,000 or more, and I know almost everybody in this room does, 
because the average household income in Olive Branch, Mississippi is $60,000. If you make that, then you are in the top 1% of the wealth of the world. Your $50,000 is in the top 1% of the wealth of the world. You are in the same 1% as Jeff Bezos at, at Amazon.com. You're in the same 1% as Bill Gates, just in a much lower part of the 1%, right? You're in the 1%. If you make $1,500 a year, a year, not a month, you're in the top 30% of the entire world's wealth. So what I will say that Angie and I are gonna do is we're gonna comb through our finances. And I would ask you to join us if you would and find out what we need to give up. Some of you in here, while Pastor Bob was preaching, still are thinking about that car you don't need. Some of you are thinking about that house you just bought that you shouldn't have bought. The beauty of it in our society is we don't have to keep it. We can't take anything with us, but we can send it on ahead. So let 2018 be the year that you choose not to keep it, but you send it on ahead. One more financial statistic. The hundredfold return is not 100%. The hundredfold return, return in the Bible is not 100%. It is 10,000%. Most of you know what I do for a living. There is nothing in this world that I can guarantee that will give you a 10,000% return. So thank you so much for your gifts this month. Whether you see it in this life or not, you will see it in the next we get to rejoice with God forever. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Appreciate that word. You know, one thing the Lord has really been stirring me is about just the spirit of poverty over the body of Christ and over really this area. And the way to break it is to give your way out, to trust God. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.